Season 1, Episode 9. My friends have been eaten by spiders. Welcome back to your unofficial Everything Sucks cast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and as usual, I'm joined by... Julia! That's right, the lovely Julia and the lovely Ken. Here we are. Yes. It's good to be here today, talking about Mm -hmm. one of our favorite shows. Yes. The last episode, this episode, and the next one, are where the show stops being a goofy, quirky, weird teen comedy... And we get into what the show is really about, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And if we were to look at this as a mini-series or just a really a long-ass movie, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, the, the drama part taking yes. over. This is, this is where the rubber hits the road. So it's time to do our walkthrough. You ready, Julia? I am. All right, Scott Pocket. Roll tape! Scott Pocket. <laughs> Scene one. We see the school bus arrive back in boring Oregon. Yeah. We see Luke with his bike and McQuaid walking away from the bus headed home, and they're discussing life. Luke says, I'm never going to go back to Cali like ever. I'm just glad that we got what we needed for the movie. Then McQuaid says, I don't understand it. How can someone seem to like you one second, then tell you to beat off into a sock in the next? What is that? A riddle, says Luke. And McQuaid says, life's cruelest riddle. Yeah. Luke says, are you okay, buddy? McQuaid says, I don't know. You? I should probably get home. And they part, and he says, hang in there, pal. And McQuaid's very sad. McQuaid's very hurt at this point. Yeah. But, of course, Luke seems to be in his own situation. He's... uh, it seems like he can't see beyond his own thing ever. Mm-hmm. Scene two. Luke arrives home early to the thumping sounds of music and laughter. He basically comes home to the surprise of his life. Yeah. And not a happy birthday, happy one for him. No. He says, I'm home, and he hears his mother laughing. He hears uh, other voices And Mm -hmm. we hear the song Real Love. Yeah. Luke opens his mother's door to find Ken Messner in his tidy whities dancing. (laughs) As Sherry sits on the bed, Luke is sickened, and Sherry freaks out. Yeah. Uh, They're shocked because Luke has caught them having a moment of fun, and they're enjoying themselves and giggling and cutting up, and Luke walks in and catches them. Then we cut to the opening credits, and the words Everything Sucks are written on a blue balloon, which is promptly popped. Yes. Scene three. Ken and Sherry try to explain what was going on as they are covering themselves. Turns the music off, and Luke is just stunned, right? Yeah. I mean, quite shortly after this, he basically kicks Mr. Messner out of the house, and he says, get the hell out of my house. And, you know, for some people it might be like he's being a jerk, because he is. But at the same time, you have to remember what happened 
just a few scenes earlier in the last episode when he met his biological father for the first time ever in his life and his father didn't even recognize him. So there's all sorts of stuff going on in his head during this scene. In his mind, I imagine he feels that his parents have both let him down. He doesn't understand. Luke is being let down by what he thought his parents were right now. Well, I mean, I think before he caught his mom and Mr. Mesner, his opinion of his mom was still favorable. But I think he just, after the California trip, he kind of just has this mindset of, I don't need a father figure in my life. My father figure abandoned me, so I don't need another one. Right. And so then he goes in there and he sees Ken with his mom, who I guess now maybe he thinks that his mom is trying to replace his father. And he's like, well, that's not going to happen. My father is basically dead to me. But it's weird. We have this uh, weird thing going on where Luke was hiding his relationship from his mother and and his mother was hiding her relationship from him parallels yeah yeah despite them saying that they're on the same team and that they wouldn't hold any secrets back or anything Mm -hmm. and as the parents are covering themselves and trying to recover and wrap their head around the fact that luke is standing in the room with them yelling at them sherry gets dressed and ken is trying to apologize and luke's not having any of it as a matter of fact, Luke throws him out, and it, it gets very tense for a while. And uh, Ken's trying to get a grip of things and trying to be a parent in this situation, but that's the last thing he needs to do right now. Yeah. Because Luke is not his son. No. And Luke is full of anger, full of resentment. Uh, going to call him a few names, actually. He's... Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, Luke Luke gets physical with Ken Messner and pushes him out. Yeah. Ken tries to get them to talk about what happened, and Sherry says, just please leave. And Ken Messner reluctantly leaves, and Sherry says, I'm sorry that you walked in on that. You are home earlier than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And Luke says, and that makes it okay? Sherry says, the way you spoke to Ken was beyond inappropriate inappropriate mom you're in bed with the principal my ex-girlfriend's dad does that not seem inappropriate to you sherry says calm down let's talk about this let's be a team luke says we're not a team you lied to me i'm sorry i didn't tell you okay i had my reasons screw that you're a liar sherry says luke what has gotten into you luke says what else have you lied to me about when you're gone, when you are on an airplane, did Dad bail or did you drive him out? Sherry says, you're being a little asshole. Mm-hmm. She feels bad for what she says, realizing that those words escaped her mouth. Luke gets mad, runs out the door, slams the door. Sherry says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. So we hear the door slam, which brings us to scene four. Kate Messner is laying on the couch watching TV, trying to forget Dominguez Rocks and all the head games and weirdness that happened in our last episode. Mm-hmm. And the door opens, and we see Ken Messner arriving at the Messner house. He notices Kate there, and doesn't seem all that surprised to see her. He says, 
hey, home early, huh? And they talk about how it was going. And Kate notices that he's kind of flustered. Astutely. Yeah. Yes. And she asks him if everything is okay. At just that moment, the phone rings. Mm-hmm. Ken, in a bit of a panic, says, I'll get that. And he gets the, the phone in the family room, but he wants to take it in his bedroom because it's Sherry calling him. Yeah. So he asks Kate to hang this up for him, and he'll get it in the other room. Kate looks very concerned. Mm -hmm. Scene five, we shift, and we see a shot of Ken Messner sitting on his bed, and we hear Sherry O'Neill on the other end of the line. Ken sighs, hey, hi. Ken asks if he can talk first. Sherry says, if you want. Yeah. Ken says, I'm sorry if I overstepped my bounds. I didn't mean to undermine you. I felt that he deserved an explanation. Sherry says, I know how to parent my son. Ken says, I know that you do. That's why I'm sorry. But it doesn't have to be all on you or me. We can, uh, we can be there for one another. We can help one another, help lighten each other's loads. At which point, Sherry says, Ken, I think we, I don't think we should see each other anymore. Ken sighs and says, okay. Would you mind explaining that, uh, explaining that to me? Why? Sherry says, it's just too much. And is this what you really want, Ken says? Sherry right. says, it doesn't matter what I want. It's what is right for Luke. She says, my son comes first. Ken says, of course. But before he hangs up the phone, Ken sighs and says, I just want you to know that for the first time in ten years, I feel happy. Actually happy with you. And I'm ready to fight for my happiness. I mean, it won't be easy at first, but in my experience, nothing worthwhile ever is. What we have is good. The kids can be part of that. We deserve to be happy, Sherry, all of us. I love this scene so much. Yeah, excellent work. Excellent work by all involved. Sherry says, I need to hang up. Ken says, no. Sherry says, please hang up. I got to go. Goodbye, Ken. And we hear the dial tone. Ken is stunned. Sherry hangs up and we see Ken's reaction. But we also see something that we didn't realize. We see that Kate has been listening to the entire conversation. Yeah. A very sad scene. The acting is superb. Absolutely superb on all fronts. So what was Kate's reaction? What, what did you see in her face? I think it was a mixture of things. When I was watching this scene, I saw a little bit of surprise. And I saw a little bit of like longing for her father to finally have that happiness that he's describing. And it wasn't sadness in the fact that like she doesn't want this to happen for her father. It was sadness in the fact that she's upset that somebody else is trying to ruin it for him. And this is kind of also that uh, same thing that Luke just found out about. She's now realizing what's been going on, that this was the woman that he couldn't talk about. See, but I think the difference between Kate and Luke is that Luke, combined with all of the stuff that just happened with his father, he is not accepting at all. Whereas Kate is actually kind of taking Sherry's role in this instance, and she's saying, my father comes first. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Great point. 
Which I think is beautiful. I agree. We'll find out how that affects the story later. And of course, in this scene, just the acting is absolutely wonderful from Patch and from Claudine. But when the camera closes in on Peyton at the end, anyone and everyone can see so many different things in her face all at once. Incredible. Definitely a surprise there that she yeah. was on the other end of the line. Mm-hmm. Scene six. Cut to the boring high news. Yeah, with our boring high news team, Scott Pocket and Jessica Betts. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is Monday and we are back at school. Jessica Betts and the boring high news team are broadcasting. Jessica Betts says, don't forget, Beavers. Tickets for Boring High School's first movie are now available. The premiere will be Saturday in the auditorium amidst the renovations, so bring a hard hat. At which point Scott Pocket says, You can expect this movie to be no less than garbage, considering I was not cast in it. Jessica says, What a shame. And for those who were cast in it, we can assure you it's going to be Da Bomb Diggity. At which point Scott says, Garbaggio. <laughs> he just has this look on his face of like pure disgust yeah from the time we see him as the camera opens up on the the news team he's not having any of it he's no. like i want nothing to do with this promotion there are so many different emotions in this scene right now from all the characters you have scott who is disgusted and tired and just done with life. You have Jessica Betts, who is cheerful, at least for the camera. You have Kate, who is sad for her father and a little sympathetic towards Luke, at least in my opinion. And then you have Luke, who is just down in the plane dumps. So then Jessica says, to whet your appetites, here's a look behind the scenes. And she steals Scott Pocket's line and says, Roll tape! Mm-hmm. So we hear the, the sounds of the Seasons of Suffering by Jailhouse playing. And we see a trailer for the movie Intergalactic Lust. Trying to, trying to parody uh, Spike Lee. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It starts off by saying a Luke O'Neill joint, uh-huh. which is kind of Spike Lee's, Spike Lee's phrase for all of, his, all of his movies. Yep. And unbeknownst to Luke, Mr. Stargrove has cut this trailer together yeah so we see the reactions of the people that have been working on the film and the cast of the film everybody's looking around shocked by what they're seeing and surprised and some happy some uh freaked out luke's really freaked out right yes he is so after the trailer which which we see scenes from the movie and it's really crazy and it's cut together really well, and it's called Intergalactic Lust. Yes. So, a bit of a shocktacular name for a mm-hmm. space movie. Did you did you catch did you catch the the little glimpse of Comic Sans in the trailer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so Jessica, after that, she says, "Well, that was interesting." She also says. Those are your morning announcements. Have a boring day. And you see Scott Pocket mouthing the words going, (laughs) 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 That kind of a thing. Cut to Luke, 
the mood of like not having it has switched from Scott to Luke. 100% full force. When we cut to him, he's like throwing off his headset and he is just angry. And he's screaming at a teacher and says, what the hell was that, Stargrove? Mr. Stargrove says you didn't like it. And Luke spins around to the room and he lets everybody know that he's talking to everyone and he screams, hey, listen up. From now on, no one touches the footage. This is my movie now, okay? You guys helped. Got it? Everyone is stunned. Including Kate. Yeah. McQuaid says, looks like Candyman's back. Tyler says, no kidding. We see Leslie scamper past Luke, not even making eye contact. Nobody wants to talk to him. And then we see Kate come up behind him. We we see Kate come up from behind Luke, and she says, Luke? Luke interrupts her and says, Kate, not now. I've got a lot of work to do and no time to do it. If I don't get this movie right, the whole school will laugh at me. Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. Kate asked Luke, did you know that our parents were dating? Luke says, we're dating. Glad it's over. It's disgusting. Can you please leave me alone? Yeah. So Luke has now isolated himself from everybody, from everybody he cares about. Mm-hmm. His mother, Kate, all of his friends. He's now a man alone. So we shift scenes from an angry Luke who feels the entire world is out to get him. And he's got the weight of the world on the shoulders that he's put there. Mm-hmm. Scene seven opens and we see Leslie standing by Kate's locker who Kate is, she's pissed from what just happened. Yeah. I love Leslie. Yeah, me too. But Kate's upset, not at Leslie, but at what Luke just did. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just the fact that he was yelling at everybody about the movie, but the fact that he's just so dismissive of Ken and Sherry, right? Definitely. He was speaking in ugly tones about their two parents, and Kate's not liking it. Kate's upset. She wants to get the hell away from everybody, kind of. I think she takes that a tad personally. I think it's like, on the one hand, she doesn't understand why Luke is trying to get in the way of his mother's happiness. And on the other hand, I think she might have taken it as a personal insult towards her dad. But that's just my opinion. Well, have you noticed that Luke is happy, loving everybody as long as they act exactly like he wants them to? That's been a running theme that's been going on through the whole show. Yeah. He loves Tyler as long as he can run Tyler down and as long as Tyler does what he wants. He, he wants McQuaid to like the people he likes. He wants Kate to be whatever he likes her or wants her to be. Mm-hmm. And now he only wants his mother to be just his mom, nothing else, nothing real. And as we've talked many times on this show, one of the things we love about this is that this show looks at adults as real people. Yes. The problem with thinking the way that Luke is, is that if, if this is the way you're going to look at the world, that you can only love someone if they're doing exactly what you want them to, you're going to wind up very lonely. He likes putting people in boxes. Mm-hmm. So Leslie's trying to make conversation with Kate, and she says, I can't believe you dated that a-hole. Luke, more like puke, seriously, 
He's a capital J-E-R-K. At which point, Kate says, Jesus, Leslie, I get it already. As Kate slams her locker door, who turns to see Emmeline. Emmeline approaches Kate at her locker as Leslie looks on. And Emmeline is completely remade. Yeah. Time stops for Kate as she notices Emmeline 2.0. Mm-hmm. They literally say hey to one another. Yeah. And Kate says, who are you and what have you done with Emmeline? At which point Emmeline says, can we talk? At this point, Leslie becomes invisible to the two of them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh. And she's just standing there like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Kate says, of course. Kate and Emmeline walk away, leaving Leslie behind to sigh. Mm -hmm. Scene 8, we see Kate and Emmeline, and they are sitting on the same steps we saw Luke and Kate sit on in an earlier episode. Yes. They are facing one another, and their backs are against the walls, respectively. Mm -hmm. Emmeline says, I'm sorry that I ignored you on the bus ride home. That was really shitty. Kate says it's okay. Kate says that she figures that Emmeline was still upset about Oliver. Emmeline chuckles, yeah, right. Screw him. Damn straight, says Kate. Emmeline says to Kate, That night at the hotel, the things you said, that you thought I was perfect, did you mean it? Kate says, yeah. Yeah. Emmeline says, I'm confused, because you said that. And then we almost... At that point, a door slams open and they are interrupted. We hear two guys cross the room, and we hear them discussing the day. Cool, blah, 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 slam door again. So those two guys leave, and they're back, just the two of them in the stairwell. And Emmeline is visibly freaking out. So Emmeline says, I saw you and Luke holding hands. I guess I was wondering if you guys are a thing, or if you are, it's totally cool. Kate says, no, we're not. We're just friends. Or we were. I don't really know right now, Emmeline says. Do you like me? Kate asks her, what do you mean? You know what I mean. I like you. Is that okay? Kate says yes, and they chuckle. Just then the school bell rings. Kate says, um, which way are you going? Emmeline mm -hmm. says, I'm going that way. And Kate says, well, I'm going the other way. Uh, Emmeline says, so want to come to my place after school? Kate says, sure. Meet by your locker? Cool. Emmeline says, see you later, sweetie. And Kate is excited and more importantly, happy. She's thrilled. Yes. What do you think? What a beautiful scene. I mean, I say this about all of the really intimate scenes in the show, but like, wow, the acting from everyone involved is just so good. Because like, you look at Emmeline and you can see that she's like visibly freaking out. She's having some trouble breathing. She like barely utters out the fact that she likes Kate. Mm -hmm. And then you look at Kate and Kate is like, Kate's basically like, oh my god, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. Very true. So in this show, we see that anger and joy uh, 
Remember that scene in the last episode where we saw that a bad mood could be given from one person to the next? Yes. Well, we're seeing the, the same thing, only this time we're seeing happiness. Definitely. So we've seen that Emmeline is, is happy, Kate is happy, which brings us to scene eight. And we see McQuaid, he's not having a good day, he's at his locker, and the lovely Emmeline approaches him and says, McQuaid, what's up, home slice? At which McQuaid kind of pauses and looks at her with a crooked eyebrow and says, uh, hello? Yeah. Emmeline steps a few feet back, kind of makes a circular motion, and says, Ladies, this guy is a mad, passionate kisser. Speaking from experience, mwah! Or, <laughs> mwah! <laughs> At which point, McQuaid grabs his glasses and says, um, uh, 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 Agreed! Yes. <laughs> the ladies in the hallway are now looking at McQuaid slightly differently, and he coughs a bit. He kind of ruffles up his sweater and collar, and he has some pride going on for him as he stands up straight a bit. Mm-hmm. And that one, there's a, this one shot of this dark-haired gal walking by him, and she's like really up and downing him. Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I'll have to rewatch the scene. Yeah, she's like, uh-huh, I'm going to have to check out the McQuaid train. So. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh. I saw that now. Yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. She's really eyeing him up. She's looking like, hmm, I wonder what's on the dessert menu today. So. <laughs> so we cut to... A happy McQuaid. I'm not sure what to do with a happy McQuaid. Are you? I mean, <laughs> I think this is one of the first times that we've seen him like this. Full of joy and hope. Yeah. That's what happens when you talk to pine cones. True. So, scene nine. We see. Have Luke. you? Oh, have you on. noticed? Have you noticed that all of the scenes where McQuaid is really happy, Emmeline is involved in some form? Yes. Throughout the whole series, because the, fir the first time that he was very, very happy was when they were all... Actually, no, Kate was there. Mm -hmm. But still, some part of Cameline is involved in some form every time he's happy. Yeah, then would that be Memeline? If it were uh, Quaid and Emmeline? And Memeline? Memeline. <laughs> or Equaid? <laughs> that, so that sounds like... That sounds like a tax service. E-Trade. Con yeah. Yep. Contact us at Equate to get your taxes done early and on time. <laughs> Equate. I wonder if McQuaid actually runs Equate. That would be hilarious. Mm -hmm. Great scene. Fun scene. Mm -hmm. Enjoyed it a lot. Scene nine. Luke is in the editing bay working on editing the film. And he's frustrated. He's watching the, the dailies. And there's Tyler who's having some problems with his lines. How, why is Luke not in class, is my question. Well, maybe he got a uh, permission excuse. Are we supposed to assume that school is now over, or like... No, I would say that school is definitely still in session. He either got a permission slip to skip classes so he can edit the film, because it's got to be done by Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason I say that we're still at school, this is still the one day, is because the next scene is uh, Tyler McQuaid and Leslie in the library. So True. Yeah. 
So we're seeing Luke. He's mad. He's pounding at the board. Tyler is not delivering his lines properly. Yeah. Because Tyler has some problems with dys- dyslexia. So, I, you know, he kind of gets them mixed up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to mention that or not? I think so. Especially with his, with his next few lines. We hear Tyler say, Mr. Blorg, I found this human. And Luke screams at the screen, Commander Blorg! Commander Blorg! Yeah. So, which takes us to scene 10. We shift to the school library. McQuaid finds Tyler in the library and says, Tyler, I need your help. Tyler says, I'm doing homework. McQuaid says, okay, it can wait. Tyler says, actually, it takes me twice as long as you to do it, so I can't. McQuaid says, okay, I'll do it for you. Just listen to me, please. What I'm about to tell you should be considered classified. Capiche? Tyler says, what is it? McQuaid says, say capiche back, and then I'll tell you. Tyler, okay, whatever. And he says, capiche. McQuaid says, okay. I cannot believe these words that I am about to say, but I believe them to be accurate. I think Emmeline Adaria likes me. Tyler says, no, she doesn't. McQuaid says, but yeah, what if she does? Look, look, even if I'm wrong, I would much rather feel a staggering sense of shame and regret for failing than not trying at all. Tyler, please. Tyler says, what do you need help with? McQuaid says, I need to know how to dress cool. At which point Tyler says... Excuse me of baking powder? <laughs> I hated that. That was a Wayne's World thing. Excuse me, baking powder? <laughs> and McQuaid confesses, okay, you have a style, kind of. At which point Tyler smiles. I do not. McQuaid says, well, that, and I literally have no one else to ask. He really had to tack that on at the end. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> so Tyler gives in and says, okay. McQuaid says, great. He thanks him, and they say that they are going to go shopping before the premiere. Cool. <clears throat> Tyler says to McQuaid, hey, what are you doing tonight? I take mystery science. McQuaid says, mm-mm, sorry, no time for kids stuff. I have to plan what I'm going to say. Sorry. Tyler's bummed. He sulks back into his books, and we... The camera turns a bit to see that Leslie has been sitting at the other table the entire time. I want them together. So that would be Tesley or Yes. Lyler? Which which would it be? Tesley or Lyler if you were gonna ship them? Mm. Tesley. Okay. So <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Their official ship name is Tesley. Mm-hmm. Leslie's been sitting at the other table the entire time. She looks at Tyler and decides to make her move. Leslie says, that was cruddy. I'm sorry. Tyler says, how come I'm losing all my friends to girls? Is it me? Leslie says, no, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Because she's digging them. She definitely. She thinks there's nothing wrong with Tyler. Yeah. She says, no, definitely not. You shouldn't be blaming yourself. Truth be told, you never stood a chance. The female species is extremely powerful and highly mysterious. Sometimes we quietly saddle up right next to you, and before you even know it, you're ours. 
Tyler, not realizing that she is now quietly saddled up to him, right next to him, and before he even mm-hmm. knew it, she was there. Tyler yeah. looks up and says, like a spider? She says, yeah. Tyler says, My friends have been eaten by spiders. This sucks the big one. Leslie says, yeah, I know how you feel. I pretty much don't have any friends. She chuckles, and she lets, and she tries to drop a huge hint. And Tyler books he just hauls ass see ya leslie yeah so she was getting ready to make her move and either kiss him or ask him out or something and he just books tyler i know you can't hear me but if you could i'd say dude this is the woman you're gonna find on facebook like 20 years from now and you're gonna say gosh i wish i would have dated her yep wake up before it's too late definitely Season 2, Oh What Might Have Been. Mm-hmm. Scene 11. Ken Messner is getting some water from the drinking fountain, and Kate finds him. She's coming around the corner looking for her dad. You can visibly see that. And you can see a poster for intergalactic lust in the background. Yes, you can. So the bell is ringing, and Kate says, Dad, what are you doing? Ken Messner says, I was just getting a drink of water. She asks, Are you okay? He says, Yeah. Uh, things didn't work out with that lady that I was seeing, but, uh, you know, it's no big deal. Kate says, I want to talk about it. And Ken Messner says something that hits Kate like an ice pick in the forehead. No, you know, uh, maybe just treat me like the principal today. And that's pretty much what Kate Messner said to him in the first episode. Yeah. Just treat me like any other student. So now she kind of sees what it's like to be isolated from the person you're caring about. Because just in that same way that Ken Messner was looking out to protect her and take care of her, Kate's trying to do the same thing, and now he's shutting her out. Mm-hmm. Kate sighs, and Emmeline walks into view, and she sees Kate, and she says, Hey, I just saw your dad. Are you ready? Kate says, I can't hang out today. Emmeline says, why not? Kate says, there's something I have to do. It's it's not you. I promise. I really... Emmeline says, Kate, it's okay. I get it. Kate, still putting her father first. Mm-hmm. And we see Emmeline doing something that I don't know we ever saw her do with Oliver. She's putting Kate first, but not in a negative way. Yes. Like, with Emmeline and Oliver, it was whatever Oliver wanted and then things to get his attention. Like, bad mm-hmm. things to get his attention, right? hmm But here she's, like, saying, look, I'm stepping back from my normal Emmeline weirdness. I'm going to just try and be chill. So if you need time, I'll take a rain check, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So we see some more growth on Emmeline as a person who's not as needy right now, and this is nice. This is definitely a very big change. We also have seen Emmeline do something for somebody and looking out for her home slice McQuaid, so we're seeing Emmeline maybe find her center a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. So they part, and Kate's on a mission. Yep. Scene 12. Luke is in the editing bay once again, and Kate finds him. Luke is going over and over and over Tyler's Commander Blurg line. He sees Kate, and he says, The room is off limits! 
Yep. She doesn't leave. She comes closer to him, and he says, What do you want? Kate says, Come, I have something to show you. Luke says, absolutely not. I don't have one good take of Tyler saying his lines right. The aliens look like Sesame Street, and this asteroid belt thing, it doesn't make any sense. The room is off limits, Kate. At which point, Kate pulls the plug, and his screen goes dark. Luke totally flips and says, what the hell? Kate says, Luke, I said, come with me. Then we see one of the most iconic scenes of the entire series. Yes. And what this show has been leading up to, to this moment. Scene 13, Luke and Kate walk to the bridge that they have crossed over so many times. We see the shot of the bridge, and it's iconic. Then we get to see a shot of Luke and Kate crossing the bridge. As they get to the middle, Kate stops, looks over as she leans on the railing. Mm-hmm. Luke annoyed says, we're stopping here, Kate? This is what you pulled me away for? Unbelievable! And Kate looks down into the water. And she's not standing up proud and tall. She's not angry. She just simply starts to speak the reality. Yep. She says, So, the best memory I have of my mom was this one day she took me to the county fair. She checked me out of school that morning and told them we had a family commitment. And we just went. Just the two of us. I remember feeding the goats in the petting zoo and the way my mom laughed when they licked at her palms. At one point, I got lost in the fun house and I started crying. So she bought me balloons. And then we were at the highest point of the Ferris wheel. And she told me to let them go. So I did. She said to me, Kate, just because you can't see them doesn't mean they aren't still there. She just held me. That night we got home and she cooked us spaghetti. But it was surprising because she hadn't cooked in months. And then she asked us if we wanted ice cream. She got the keys and left to go get some. She drove out here to this bridge and she stopped her car in the middle of the road and she climbed over the railing and she let go. In the obituary, my dad just said her death was related to illness. So you see, I don't have the luxury of getting mad at my mom over petty bullshit. I just have a dad. And I don't know what you did to screw up the happiness he found with your mom. I'm so mad at you, Luke. You're not the only one having a hard time. Kate turns back and leaves Luke to think. Yeah. We see the last framing shot of the bridge and what it means to the series and the show. Yeah. The end credits roll, this time not to a song. But what we hear 
is the water flowing below the bridge and the birds of boring Oregon. This is heavy. Yeah. The producers of the show decided not to end with a sad song here. And to be honest with you, some of the songs that were played in this episode, Real Love by Mary J. Blige and Seasons of Suffering, Jailhouse, neither of these will fit in this scene. Mm -hmm. What we're actually doing with the soundscape that they've created is we are still at the bridge with Luke as he looks over and he's now seeing what's happened at this bridge seven years ago. Yeah. For the first time. Very vividly in his head, I imagine. And all he can hear is the water rushing below. When Kate told him the final moments and what exactly she did, he looked at her with this look of horror on his face. He didn't realize this entire time. What she told him in the first episode, we now know the whole story. We now know the story of Rocket Man and why Ken Messner can't hear that song being played. Mm -hmm. We now know the whole horrifying, sad story. Yeah. And this is what makes this show so important and so relevant. And Luke is at a complete and utter crossroads here. Mm-hmm. As the birds and the water rush by. I think this is one of the first times where Luke fully realizes that his actions have an impact on other people. Mm-hmm. And that he needs to stop thinking about himself all the time. And he's, he needs to start thinking more about others and what they're going through. He's not the center of the universe. No, None of us are. Nope. And at the beginning of the episode, there was a balloon that we saw pop. Which alluded to this story. Yeah, that's what that was all about. It seems sort of weird at the beginning. It just seems like a funny thing to have happen, right? But this is the genius of these creators. Mm -hmm. That they set that up. You didn't know it was coming. I mean, there's so many times we've seen this bridge, right? We've seen this bridge. We've crossed this bridge. It's just the way you get in and out of town. It's no big deal. But now we see what it's really all about. How? Just imagine how horrible it was for Kate to have to cross that bridge every day. Yeah. Every single day. Mm-hmm. For Ken Messner to drive by it. To drive by that spot. It's a lot. So we're going to come back. This 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 is the part of the show where we usually play a song. I didn't feel that any of the songs that were in the show were worth playing for this moment. We're going to come back on the other end of the song that we're going to play, and we're going to have some reaction and give our thoughts on, as far as a rating on the show, how many corn dogs and all that silliness and fun stuff that we do. But... We've chosen to play a song that was not actually played in this series, and it's from this time. It's actually a song from the 70s covered by a band called the Smashing Pumpkins. They were really big in 93 to, to well, they're still going, right? So Yeah. This is someone that probably Oliver would have really dug. I can imagine Oliver really digging the Smashing Pumpkins. And McQuaid. I think McQuaid would have been into them, too. 
definitely Stargrove. Mm-hmm. So, would you please introduce the song? Now, we're going to play the Smashing Pumpkins cover of the iconic Fleetwood Mac song, Landslide. Thank you, Sultry DJ Voice. I'm here all week. <laughs> here you know what i mean i definitely agree like uh this is what kate and luke are both facing about how you were living your life for other people and now you have to wake up to the realities that are going on around you so mm-hmm. hi my name is claudine mboligik pelani nako i play sherry o'neill on everything sucks and you are listening to pop thank you claudine <laughs> 
you were excellent in this episode. Excellent in every episode she's in. That's so cool that she was able to come on the show. Absolutely. Now it's the time of the show we're going to give it our corn dogs. How many corn dogs do we give? And of course, we, we use the corn dogs out of respect and admiration to our good friend, Carter John, who played the corn dog kid, right? Yes. And he's in The Watchman's Canoe, which you can now rent on iTunes. It's a movie. Uh-huh. So hello, Carter John. And Shout out to you. He was, he was great to have on the show, too. We've been very blessed. We've been very blessed. A lot of great guests. Mm-hmm. So here's where we give our rating system. Five corn dogs or one corn dog. Worse is one corn dog. Five is the best corn dog. So Julia. Five corn dogs from me. Five corn dogs with mustard. In fact, I would actually venture out to say six corn dogs instead of five. And I would give it. If you're, if we're gonna do that. Six corn dogs with mustard and five broken balloons. So, yes, it's it's that good. This is mm-hmm. to me what makes the show. This is one one of the best episodes of the season, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this for the first time, and when I was watching the show, it was just to be an escapism kind of thing. I didn't want anything heavy, right? Yeah. I just thought it would be a nerdy, goofy teen comedy. And I got that the first few episodes. But by the time we get to this, when you realize all this time that they've been crossing this bridge, what it means, and how the characters are literally having to cross this bridge to get to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. This is so wonderful and so symbolic. And I want to thank Michael Mohan and Ben York Jones. Guys... Thank you so much for the gift that is this show. Yes. We ca- we cannot thank you enough for the art that you gave us. Well, without further ado or further ado, let's uh, check the Twitterverse for some feedback. Mm-hmm. Any minute now. Takes a second. So what All do you right. have for us today? Our first tweet is from Twitter user Gina at Sapphic Stargaze. They say, Hey, Netflix, people obviously care about Everything Sucks, and the ever-growing dedicated fan base would definitely binge-watch and complete a second season, so please, hashtag renew Everything Sucks. Definitely. We want this show to come back, even if it's just a wrap-up 90-minute film, right? Yeah. What else is going on out there? Yes. Uh, This one is from Twitter user Posey at K-K-O-C-H-A-I-I. They say, hashtag renew everything sucks. I may be late to the party, but I'm going to get as many people as I can to watch everything sucks. It really resonates with me, and it's an amazing show. At Netflix, at Netflix Canada, please renew it. There was a website called Miwa.com. M-E-A-W-W, Miwa.com, and they ranked the 15 hottest TV shows of 2018 from Sci-Fi Reboot, Lost in Space, to Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, and this is written by Sutrishna Gosh, and it's, it's a pretty good list. Gosh, guess what's number one out of all the cool shows? Guess what's number one? Don't answer yet, but wait, don't dial yet. At 15 was Castle Rock on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Cobra Kai on YouTube. Love that show. 
Dietland on AMC, Succession on HBO, Altered Carbon on Netflix, Cloak and Dagger on Freeform at number 10, number 9, Sharp Objects, HBO, number 8, The Pose on FX, Love that show. Seven, The Terror on AMC. Six, Lost in Space on Netflix. Vita on Stars at number five. Trust on FX at number four. Love that show. Is it good? So good. I need to check it out. Barry on HBO starring uh, Bill Hader at number three. Number two is Killing Eve on the BBC. And at number one, what do you think's here? Everything sucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow, it seems like we, hmm, I don't know, have been making a lot of lists for being one of the best shows of 2018. Hmm. Hmm, Netflix. Hmm. Maybe it's time to listen to the fans who are already paying for your product. Maybe they should dial in. Hmm. Yep. Sutrisha Gosh writes, If you believe all the excitement and action that goes down only on big screens, you might want to think again. Simply put, the small screen is sizzling all year round, with quality television taking over our must-watch list. Why flock to the theaters when the comfort of your couch is possible to binge on engaging dramas, gripping thrillers, and rebooted versions of fan-favorite sci-fi TV shows? Hand-in-hand quality content and entertainment value together have helped us compile this ultimate lineup of 2018's 15 hottest TV shows, a list worth bookmarking, lest you missed out. And here's what she says about Everything Sucks at number one. Riding high on 90s nostalgia back in February, streaming giant Netflix treated viewers to the high school dramedy Everything Sucks, which in more ways than not reminded people of a certain loser club from the thriller It or the fellow Fab Five from Stranger Things. The premise of the show is pretty simple. A quiet town of boring Oregon, a bunch of high school misfits, one will-they-won't-they couple, and Kate Messner, starring Peyton Kennedy, who is a sophomore coming to terms with her sexuality. It's no easy task being the one who stands out in high school, and even more cumbersome when the topic is as personal as sexuality. Treading along the lines of LGBTQ issues, the show explores serious characters and storylines through the eyes of teens. Unfortunately, just after one season, Netflix canceled this show. Even more reasons to binge watch and join the ongoing campaign to bring back Everything Sucks, hashtag Renew everything sucks so excellent read from shatrisha gosh over at miwa.com so thank you definitely thank you thank you thank you i understand you have the perfect tweet to go out on so fire it up put it on the grill let's go okay (laughs) all right this tweet is from user at cameline forever on twitter love the name by the way They say, I just want to give a special thanks to Ben York Jones and Michael Mohan for giving us this amazing show. Everything Sucks TV has really helped me through a lot, and hopefully Netflix will come to their senses and hashtag renew everything sucks. Thank you so much. And then they go on to reply to their own tweet and say, Also, every single part of the show was phenomenal. Thank you so much, Ben York Jones and Michael Mohan and anyone that might have helped with this show. I agree. I agree. It's such an excellent program. Definitely. 
It's one that everyone needs to watch. Mm-hmm. There's so much good here. Mm-hmm. We have one more show after this to to do. So we have we're coming down to the end of our discussions on the show. It's kind of sad. One more episode left to dissect. Uh-huh. And that one is? That is Season 1, Episode 10, We Were Merely Freshmen. Yeah. Great episode ahead, and it's going to be fun to talk about. So join us on the next episode, and we want to thank you for being along with us for what's turned out to be more than 10 episodes that we originally were planning. We've had some great guest stars on, and... We've had some special episodes, and it's it's been great. And as we are winding this up, it's it's been great to be here with you, Julia. Definitely. And it's been great to be with our listeners and friends out there, be you on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. We're just glad to be part of it with you. And it's it's cool to know that we've all at some point sat down and watched this great show together, even yep. in different houses. and thank you to the everything sucks fandom of which we're all a part of for being so passionate and so dedicated and so loyal and for fighting this hard to try and get the show back Mm all righty well until next time you can find us www.everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com that's right www.everythingsuckspodcast.blogspot.com we also have a Twitter page. That's right. You can find us at ES Pop Podcast. ES Pop Podcast. Or at P. Kennedy Updates. You can find me personally at DAE Tweets Things on Twitter. Or you can find my co host, Mr. Ken, at Nightwing Ken. So you can also find us on Facebook. Just go into the search bar and type in hashtag Renew Everything Sucks and find our group. Mm-hmm. We are everywhere. If you want to find us, we're out there. So until next time, we'll see you on the next episode of your unofficial Everything Sucks podcast. We will see you, Banana Slugs. Banana Slug. That's when I knew I was in love with this show. Yeah. When I said Banana Slug. <laughs> and that's our show. Our podcast is an online, nonprofit audio fanzine made for fans of the Netflix original series Everything Sucks. By fans of the Netflix original series, Everything Sucks. Any samples of music or TV heard here remain the property of their owners. Our show is not affiliated with Netflix or Everything Sucks. And opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of our staff. If you like something you heard, buy it or subscribe to it today. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook or Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying remember, hashtag renew everything sucks, hashtag save banana slug. Am I making sense today? You are, yes. Okay, all right, good. All right, if I'm not, let me know, because... Okay. I don't always... <laughs> I'm gonna be the one that saves me.